Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hello, loyal listeners. This is Liam Billingham. Uh, before we jump into the episode, there's a couple things I'd like you to know. I'll begin on a hopeful note. Uh, recently was George George Fragopoulos, my co-host's birthday. He turned 22 years old. And we took him out for his birthday, and we did some drinking. He did some drinking, got very drunk. And late into the night, sitting at the bar, he turned to me and with those doughy eyes said, Liam? And I said, yes, George. And he said, do you know what I want more than anything else in the world for my 22nd birthday? And I said, what, George? Tell me. Tell tell me anything. And he said, all I want is for our audience to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And I said, okay, well, I can't make them do that, but I'll try, George. And then he threw up. So, in order to help George, who's recovering from a from a just a rough night, um, I ask you to please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Rate the show five stars. Every star will help George recover quicker. And please review the show. Write us something nice. Say something nice. Say what you like about the show. We'd very much appreciate it. In addition to that. I'd like you to know that we are, we're online. You can get in touch with us. We social media. Um, best way right now is Instagram. We're on Instagram, Uverbusters. We're on Twitter, Uverbusters. And finally, you can email us with, um, you know, your complaints, threats, whatever, whatever you feel is necessary, reports of the wild inaccuracies we perpetrate in the show. You can email us at uverbusters at gmail.com. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. I can't speak to George, but he's in the bathroom right now just clearing out um finally please finally i just want you to know that our theme music our wonderful wacky theme music we got from kevin mcleod who runs an incredible uh website called incompetech.com incompetech.com has tons of free music uh, i've used it for a bunch of media projects you just got to credit uh kevin the author the wonderful guy who wrote that music um he lets you use it you just got to give him credit and he's been featured all over so please check out incompetech.com and thank you kevin all right. Enjoy the show. I'm going to go check on George. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Fragopoulos. This is... Uberbusters. And we are discussing Too Late Blues and... Johnny Staccato. Johnny Staccato. Johnny Staccato. Moose and Squirrel. I like the slow build-up. I like the thing that you did where you edited it. Yeah, totally. I can do that again, totally. Yeah. So where'd you So then so then so then I told okay. Bobby D, okay, th- you have to do Rocky and Bowwinkle. Really? Yeah. And, um, and, I, and he said, you Are you sure? To Kenneth Lonergan? How did that get how did how sorry, how did fuck let's do that again. Yeah. So <laughs> So So then I told Bobby D, I said, Listen, Rocky and Bowwinkle, you gotta do it. And did you and call? Did. did you call Kenny Lonergan after I, to, to be like Kenny? Kenny, you got to check out this De Niro babe. I just, I just, I mean, I just, I told, I told, Bobby, it was just me and Bobby just, just, straight, just chilling just out. Straight, uh, we we're just uh, having dinner at Nobu, 
And I just told him, I was like, you Were got, you working there at that you point, gotta, or was that... You got to make this... So, actually, I did intern at Tribeca Productions. Did I ever tell you this story? Yeah, you did. Yeah. And with I, Bobby D? With Bobby D. Did you ever meet Bobby D, Nero? Uh, in passing, once or twice. He was actually really nice. Was he? Uh, really kind of intense. One, one time, I did... My Marty... No, you podcasting <laughs> fans can't see my Robert De Niro impression. Oh, I was going to say Martin Scorsese. Uh, <laughs> no, him. is Marty here? Marty. I was going to say Liam Billingham. Marty, come He's, he's back. That's he's, good. He survived the the heart attack. He did. Which yeah, which is good. I wanted to actually go back to that Peter Bershkin book and actually try to find that story. That Easy I, writers, raging bulls. Right. <laughs> we know our books about movies. Which we should also I guess, reference every single episode. episode. We have to. I think is that in the last episode? I th- yeah. Well, I don't know if we if it's if um, we made it after the edits. I don't know either. I don't. I'm still figuring that out. So, um, well, good job on convincing. Um, Robbie, uh, Bobby D, as you weirdly call him, <laughs> Bobby D, to uh, agree to Bobby um, D. to uh, be in Rocky and Bowwinkle. I find that pretty... Uh, it, it surprisingly didn't take a lot of uh, convincing. I just said, here's this great script. You'll be um, talking to an animated moose and squirrel. And he's moose like, and squirrel. Exactly, yeah. What would you think of that? That Russia Natasha? Or, it good? or Boris? Uh, Boris and Natasha, right? That's Boris and Natasha. Uh, it was amazing. So, Shit! I just realized that you think, you know, Matthew Reese and Carrie Russell's characters and the Americans are actually based on Boris and Natasha. I haven't watched that show yet. You haven't? No. Oh, you're missing out. I'm sure I am. Um, they that's are a show that I don't think I'm going to hate. Intoxically uh, good looking, charismatic, and they make the show. The, I'm sure that's true. Um, okay, so why don't we get into the reason that we're here, which is. We're here for a reason? <laughs> we Marty! To, are we supposed to be doing something? Um. Marty's just angry at us. From so we we have a lot of ground to cover in this episode. We do, George. yeah. So I guess we should um, just get right into it. So we, we should get right into it. We uh, maybe we, he says we seven minutes into the recording. <laughs> we should really get right into it. So um, previous, previously, previously on Ufra Busters, Busters, we talked about Shadows. Um, and the original plan was to talk about... Uh, you were going to talk about Too Late Blues, and I was going to talk about A Child is Waiting. And then we abandoned that plan, and we decided instead of you watching one and me watching the other, we would both watch. Correct. Them because it, I don't know how we have so much free fucking time. I don't hands. know how effective it would have been to um, talk about the movie without the other one scene. Correct. So I'm glad we just we just changed our changed our plan. And then you don't had the change your plan. Oh, I love it when you serenade me. me. <laughs> ben Folds, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is he still around? Right. Um. Yeah, he's rocking the suburbs. Yeah. Sub- suburbs. 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 Uh, I thought you were going to say subway. That's how a robot who's not from the <laughs> suburbs, but is like from Mars. <laughs> Hello, I am Kevin. Su- I am from the suburbs. <laughs> suburbs. Um, suburbs. And then just kind of melts because he can't pronounce the word. He keeps trying suburbs. to say it. suburbs. Um, oh, and then you also had the brilliant idea that we should watch... So an episode of Johnny Staccato. Johnny, Johnny Staccato. Staccato. Uh, we're going to talk about Johnny Staccato, and we're going to talk about Too Late Blues. After John Cassavetes completed Shadows, or decided to reshoot, he was real broke, and he had to make money to finish Shadows. So he took on the starring role on a TV show called... Johnny Staccato. Johnny Staccato. Which is an amazing name for which a Which I watched the first detective. 17 minutes of uh, the pilot, and which was called The Naked Truth. The Naked Truth. And George watched all 23 minutes of the pilot. George, what, ha- what's, 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 what happened? So what, what was the last thing you remember seeing? Well, no, before we go there, what, 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 who, is, who is Johnny Staccato? Who is Johnny Staccato? So he, Johnny Staccato, and I took, I took a couple of notes about this too because there's some amazing, amazing noir, noir-esque... Uh, Dialogue. By the way, which um, which version did you see? Did you see the one with the voiceover or without? Oh, with the voiceover. Oh, okay, yeah. Because what, the, is this some Blade Runner shit going well, yeah, on? That's with this a, thing? that's actually. Thank you for ruining my joke, Liam. God, fucking ruining my joke. I was going to say because in my version, you find out that Jonas Dakota is actually a replicant at the end, and there's no voiceover. Was there really no voiceover in the version you want? No, I'm kidding. And then I was going to make a joke about uh, Johnny Staccato 2049, <laughs> which we're going to have to wait 30 years to see. But anyway, um, so Johnny Staccato is a... Silence on my end. <laughs> <laughs> That's me just tossing my phone. He's a part-time jazz musician. We've had coffee, so we're a little jacked up. We so he's a part-time jazz musician at Waldo's. At Waldo's. And he can't pay the bills, so he has to be a private eye on the side. But which, for a minute, did you think he was just a cop? Like a beat cop? Like a cop? Not a beat cop, but uh, a detective cop? No, I just thought he was a, a PI. Do you like that we're really hitting our P's? P's. We're really enough to fix this after the fact. Yeah, he's a cop who's also a, um, a jazz pianist. Yeah, or maybe his talent is an octave lower than his ambition, which is an actual fucking line. Yeah, he says, because my talent was an octave lower than my ambition, 
I had to pay the bills somehow, the bill somehow else. Somehow. So the first episode uh, sort of follows him. It's very sketchily defined. A music producer's client is being blackmailed by country a sort music. Of country music. Yeah, he's being blackmailed by a like a like a toddler, like a rag. Correct. And Johnny, uh, which is, uh, the, uh, isn't the magazine called The Naked Truth? I believe the so. Naked Truth, which yeah. is the name of the episode. And Johnny Staccato has has to has to stop Templar from blackmailing this Blackmail, guy. Yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. And you get the impression that it's. Uh, he's paying him off because he had some sort of affair. Uh, the musician did, and he can't obviously doesn't want his wife to find out. So he's paying, yes, this guy Templar to not give the give the dirt on him. But it's amazing too because like the tra- the the intro is kind of like Cassavetti's playing on the piano for a couple of seconds and clearly not playing. The yeah, piano. very. So like within three seconds of this episode starting, Johnny Staccato gets up from the piano. Goes and has sits at a table, makes a phone call, has a woman throw herself at him. <laughs> yes, he pushes her off, and then he's like into the night to I, solve crime. My second note here is after is this the opening? Was he is getting mauled by this woman? Yeah, this this woman, woman attacks him, which brings up a larger from the very very beginning of this. It's very clear to me that this is not a passion project for <laughs> John Cassavetes. Um, he and he did it to pay the bills. He had no money left, and Gina Rowlands was pregnant, and they like barely could get by, and he was borrowing money. So he agreed to do this Johnny Staccato, which is why we watch it. And I didn't see the whole episode, but I do think from a very very early, it's interesting to look at this and go like, it's not that he's phoning it in at all. Definitely he's not. actually quite he's, well cast yeah. in the part. Um, I feel like there's people that are like, he took these roles begrudgingly, but it's clearly a man had to pay bills. So what's the big deal? But it it feels very much from the beginning, not a John Cassavetes dream project. Well, he's also, which again, we, I guess we'll, we'll be talking about more later, obviously, like especially during the husband's episode. He is an incredible actor. Amazing actor. Um, and yes, he's definitely not mailing it in. He's good. He's kind of not mailing it in. He's not mailing it I in. Got, I think it's phoning it in. No, I think it's called mailing. I think it's mailing it in. I think it's phoning. No, it's phoning it in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he certainly didn't mail his performance via post. <laughs> it was, yeah. Hey guys, this performance not mailed not, in. Not mailed in at all. Um, but it's was, also a very hard boiled kind of. Oh, kind totally. Of thing. Like yeah, like not yeah, like more like more. It's a little world worry. That's what I like about John Cassavetes in this performance. Is it's 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 still like he's men, eminently watchable. Yes, and there are interesting kind of overlaps with the more established body of work. So, for example, like the jazz kind of. Uh, stuff comes obviously is prevalent in shadows, too late blues well, as it's well. Interesting, it's all over his work. We'll get to too late blues, but yeah, I never really, I never really associated him with the beatnik thing, or the like, well, like yeah. late fifties, early sixties kind of like thing. Yeah, I don't know. I've never are... positioned him that way, which obviously I... is is me and not and not not John Cassavetes. Yeah, I mean a lot of those a lot of those authors though did kind of present themselves in certain kind of traditionally masculinist ways um right i'm thinking like kerouac in particular mm-hmm. um even though obviously they're kind of interesting kind of like homosociality uh things you know, happening with the beats as well and obviously ginsburg was anything but straight but there are what did, oh uh, this is a spoiler alert oh, no. <laughs> but there are interesting ways yes that this kind of I think, yeah, John Cassavetti is certainly not like a beatnik, but there but are interesting... But he lived in that like, kind yeah. of like space. You know, one of the things that makes it clear to me that it's not a Cassavetti's kind of passion project or a Cassavetti's project, and I would actually be curious to see the episodes he directed later to see if they'd be any different, but I'm not watching 27 episodes of Johnny Staccato. <laughs> um, the women are in love with him, oh my God. flirting with him, or like dancing in the background of shots. So There's I, like not a single woman who's a character. I, I put a note down here that he's he's kind of like Tom Cruise's character in Eyes Wide Shut that all the women are kind of giving him fuck eyes. Yeah, like <laughs> Just the like, secretary? The secretary. And it's, it's hilarious. Too. I wrote this down. He walks into the office and he's like, the decor improved and I don't mean the wallpaper. And then, a, and and then, then a, you know watching it, you're like, and cut and to a, a pretty, pretty cut, secretary. So this is Templar's secretary. Um, Wearing the, like uh, English teacher glasses. Right. And, and then they, she, she takes them off and like puts them in her mouth. And, and she's like, you don't even know my name. And she clearly wants, of course she wants him. Yeah, she's, yeah, it's and, ridiculous. And then she's like, oh, Mr. Templer's busy. He's like, oh, I think he'll make time to see me or whatever. And she's like, yeah, you're yeah, right. You're right. But the amazing thing is then they go into his office. And, and this, he's fencing. He's <laughs> it's fucking fencing in his office. Which I, I didn't, you texted me like there's a fencing scene in this. And so I was like <laughs> eating popcorn waiting for this fencing scene to come up. And it's like right there in the first like 10 or 15 minutes. It's five minutes in. But then I thought to, I thought to myself also, is this just kind of what 
kind of uh, like people who publish like scandalous rags do. Like, is this like what Rupert Murdoch does during his like lunch breaks? He's like, I'm going to fence. I think Rupert Murdoch's probably too old for exercise. Yeah, but what about... He actually calls it Rupert size. It's really weird. What about... uh, Is he too old for eating babies and human flesh? No, no, he does that. That's probably what keeps him young, right? Yeah, I think so. But I just like the idea... like the witch. Like the idea that like Rupert Murdoch's like, well, in between me helping to destroy the world, make it an awful place, (laughs) let me get some fencing in. I gotta get my fencing in. Yeah, of course. I killed all my... I killed all the small rabbits that I keep in the back for killing. So then Johnny Staccato clearly lets Templar know that he knows I'm on to you Templar yeah, I'm on to you like, should we, we do a dramatic rereading of the script of, of this well I, I happen to have the script right here oh my here. god where'd you get that yeah. uh, I just I, I saw this episode like 15-20 times and oh uh, kind of so this was actually all, like sort of review for you <laughs> You were I, like, oh, yeah, we could watch Johnny Stercato. I've never heard of Stercato, it before. But that's a weird yeah, name. I would watch that. But, I, yeah, I think I already said I had a great time watching this. So then, uh, just to quickly go through the plot. So then uh, Johnny leaves the office, and then Templar tells his henchman, like, hey, deal with this. Um, and then and then there's the uh, then they go, sauna so, so So Staccato <laughs> goes to speak with this musician who's being black who's 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 being blackmailed by um templar i believe it's called i believe it's a black phoned is that what it's called black phone i think it's black mailing it it some people call it blackmailed but but yeah mailing it in george likes to call it black Black, previously on jokes um and uh don't look at me like that sorry and um they go to so shame so, in my eyes. So this musician is at um, Grand Central Racket Club or something, which does that still exist? I don't know. Did it ever exist? I was really happy about uh, before. Also, I was there was that shot of like the Queensboro Bridge, and I was like, "Is that the Queensboro I Bridge?" Loves that. Yeah, and it's then, really nice to see New York then in the fifties. Exactly. Shot in New York. Shot in New York. I wonder if I wonder if the locations were L.A. I don't know, but because I think he lived in L.A. at that point. Ah, uh-huh. but I'm not sure. Anyway, so, so they go to the they go to the Grand City gym club place and the guy's working out and he's like let's talk in the steam room and they go into the steam room and a, lo- a great amount of labor is placed upon the place that john cassavetti's johnny staccato is sitting and this musician is sitting and um as they're sitting talking about the blackmail uh templar's henchman comes in and they both ask for water yes and they don't realize that it's they temp- don't realize that it's the henchman. Oh, right because he was also wearing a mask in the office. And also it's steamy. It's a steam it's also room. Steamy. It's a yeah, very it's steamy steam, steam right. room. Templar's henchman goes along with the, oh, they think they, he thinks that I'm uh, I'm like the towel boy and goes and gets, uh, goes to get them water and they switch seats because John Cassavetes is too hot and the musician is, is, needs, needs to clear out his vocal cords and by switching seats is then murdered by the henchman who comes in with a knife. Uh, I thought he was murdered too, but if you watch till the end, he actually makes it out alive. Okay, so I missed the last yeah. five minutes. Uh, <laughs> Which you don't... Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. Uh, for all of you who, want, who, want, who are uh, eagerly watching the episode even as we speak. Yeah, it's like this is like commentary track. So then, um, yeah, and then like, I thought I thought the plot twist was going to be like, oh, Johnny's like blamed for the stabbing, but he's not because he talks to like his cop friend, uh, Bill Novak, I think. It kind of gets, the whole thing kind of, I kind of had to be reminded Minded, like oh he would have been the one killed because the target is not the musician but Johnny Staccato himself so, he doesn't seem very broken up about the fact that he was responsible uh, responsi- for yeah he you know I mean uh, but then again he's a hard-boiled cop he is the PI please <laughs> fine all those PIs on Twitter are going to let us have They're it. We're so mad. We're not cops. We're PIs. I, genera- I generally love PI stuff. Yeah, I love Dashiell Hammond. I love big fan of Michael Shabin's book, Yiddish Policeman's Union. Oh, yeah. Have you read that one? I've not. It's no. great. Um, Is that the one that takes place in Alaska? Mm-hmm. Sitka, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And it's all technically in Yiddish, but it's in English. There's a Yiddish guide uh-huh. in the back. It's cool. Um, but uh, I got to say, you know, this is an, it's an interesting, it's interesting to have and I think we can move on a little to Too Blade Blues, but it was, it's interesting to have watched these three things because I think they give you a really, really different perspective on John Cassavetes. I feel like when we... We can talk. I feel like when we talked about this, or we, we, you were kind of like, all right, Faces is next, right? And I was like, no, we got to watch his studio pictures. There, for both of us, there was a little bit of like... Bow, bow, because... No one wants to watch those ones. I feel like probably most John Cassavetes fans haven't even seen the two films that we're going to talk about, let alone Johnny Staccato. But it's interesting that Johnny uh, John Cassavetes took the part of Johnny Staccato and then made Too Late Blues. Johnny Staccato is a show about a failed musician, jazz pianist, and Too Late Blues is 
also sort of about a failed. Well, I guess not also. Yeah, no, it is. He's a, he's a failed musician. Failed musician he named kind of, uh, John. John. But nicknamed Ghost. Ghost, that's right. So Two Late Blues is, is a Ghost. show about a failed jazz musician. Shadows is a little bit about a failed or failing jazz musician. So there's connections. There's also, I mean, I guess in all, well, maybe not John Staccato, but uh, Too Late Blues. I was just trying to think about like the through line through all of these three kind of projects. Uh, and they don't really have, they're not all totally connected. Too Late Blues does feel more traditionally Cassavetes-esque. It does. So it's about a jazz musician who like very much committed to the art of the whole thing. Doesn't want to, doesn't want to be told by, by session producers what to play. He doesn't want to sell out for money. He wants to play country fairs. Those kinds of, or like parks, well, parks or and things like that, and he has a band. And there's um, an opening sequence where they're playing a school. Yeah, there's no. I forgot I that forgot. first shot is yeah. amazing. The first shot is a is a little um, is a little boy. He's black, watching, just staring at something. We don't know what he's staring at, but we hear jazz music. And then it cuts to some other kids watching, and then it cuts to the this band led by Ghost, played by Bobby, Bobby Darren. Darren playing their heart out for these kids right and then uh the one kid steals the guy's saxophone runs away with it yeah and that kind of that's how that scene ends and then it cuts to it's them. an interesting opening yeah. i don't really know what it's for except well, maybe to, to tell us who these guys are right i mean i think it's supposed to kind of set up the fact that later on that one character in particular kind of is like what the fuck are we doing we're not getting paid for anything we're just kind of like struggling musicians that's a good point and whereas ghost is kind of like no we're doing it for the love of the music for the love of the songs um, because again, later on the, that one character, I forget what his name was, but anyway, that one character says specifically like, Oh, what are we doing? We're, we keep playing schools and parks. Also in a child is waiting. That's right. He's got one scene. Cop. He's a great actor. But so into, so you see these guys, they're playing, they're playing sort of non-traditional, non-money-making gigs. And in the very next scene, they go to a pool hall. That's right. Run by perhaps, and I, I, I you know, this the, is perhaps the greatest characterization of Greek American life. Not perhaps the greatest. greatest uh, the, they go to a pool hall that they seem to hang out at. They're, they're carousers, they're drinkers, and it's run by Nick Bubalinas. Nick. Good old so, Nick. This was interesting for me because I don't, in addition to never associating John Cassavetes with Greek uh, America, beat, beatnikness, big beak, beak, beatnik, the, the beats, the, the, and that the era, um, I'd never thought about. John Cassavetes as Greek American, first generation, I well, think, right? Yeah, it's all over this film too because they're definitely um, like white ethnic characters. Like the the fact, for example, that the I think his name's Tom, the guy who uh, they fight later on, is specifically referred to as being like Irish. Um, I believe um, Jess has a like Polish sounding last name. Isn't her name? What's her that character's Jess, name? Jess. Uh, it's Polish. She's yeah. Polish. It's like Prezbaluski or something. Right. Well, well no, that's the name the of the cop from the wire. <laughs> yeah, but there, but there is an ethnic, uh, for lack of a better word, there is there is yeah, a sort of like, like first generation. Very, yeah, these characters, well, especially obviously Nick, uh, but these characters are a lot of them are definitely coded as like white ethnics, and I see that as like Cassavetes kind of like. Um, Working through that part of his identity. I mean, you also see it kind of like in Johnny... Well, Johnny Staccato, obviously, also... Johnny Staccato. Staccato. But there's that... The henchman is coded as being possibly white ethnic. He might be as like Latino. I think also, I forget, his name is mentioned and he might actually have like an Italian name. So yeah, that's that, true. That stuff is all over... Uh, I wouldn't say all over all of Cassavetes, but it's definitely all over this film. But I think specifically speaking about, I don't know much about his, his but just the, so the thing that's interesting about Nick Bubalinas Bubalinas is that he's a very, very, I mean, he's just a caricature. He's a caricature. Yeah. He's a caricature. He and a caricature. it's not great. No, um, it's not great. It's funny in, from a standpoint of like 1958. Yeah. Ha ha's. Like it's a good goof. Yeah. I mean, one can do a really interesting psychoanalytic reading of that character in relationship to this character. Well, there's like a part in identity. the movie where I think I wrote it down where uh, it's like, um, I wrote it down. So, anyway, I can't, ooh, I, I wrote down toxic masculinity, exclamation point. Well, it's all over this film But too. he says something like, Ozu, boo- like, I'll get you some Ozu, we play the bouzouki. And it's yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah. he's really covering all the, oh, all the he, sort of Greek tropes. He hits all, he hits all the uh, right notes or wrong notes? Right. <laughs> in his characterization. It's very... Um, it's very, um, yeah, it's very, I, I don't I, know. I, I tried to read it perhaps in a sympathetic way, of, again, of like Cassavetes trying to present uh, 
like Greek America on on the screen in some kind of form or another. Um, it's also interesting th- to think about that. Like but, maybe he really wanted to represent Greek life, but this is also a movie where he's quoted as saying he wanted six months to make it and he got 30 days. Well, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I yeah. think he really wanted to make a art film. He also co-wrote the script. Co-wrote the script. He co-wrote the script before I think he even had a deal for it. And I read somewhere online too. This is this is not me, but that obviously, the film, which maybe you also mentioned already, but the film obviously also can be read as a metaphor for his struggles within it's the like studio a confessional system. manifesto, I believe. Yeah. yeah, like so he this these two films, Too Late Blues and A Child's Waiting, and Johnny Staccato by extension, are all like his experiences making studio product, which you know he continued to do, albeit not as a director, but as a actor. You know, Dirty Dozen. Which is which we will do. Which an we're, we're, well, shh. oh sorry. I mean, we're not doing an episode no, 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 about that. Not, no. no, we're not going to do like a bonus. No, that'd be stupid. Um, and Rosemary's Baby and all these other uh, movies that he was in. But yeah, he wanted thirty days, and apparently, um, uh, after the premiere, he said something like the Paramount folks were like, "Oh, he wanted to make an art house movie," and it's like they weren't. That's not what they were looking for. They yeah. wanted a studio picture. And it is a studio picture. So in terms of also the plot very quickly. So yeah, so Ghost is, I guess, the, the leader of the uh, of, of this band, of this outfit. Yeah. Um, seems like he writes all the music. Falls in love with this singer. Doesn't seem to let anybody else write music. Correct. It seems to be kind of a tyrant. But he does. He goes to a party. Goes to this party. Hosted by Rupert. Oh, that's right. From Shadows. From Shadows. Only in this movie for three minutes. Unfortunately. It's a damn shame. Yeah. But he goes to a party. Uh, and there he meets this singer, Jess. Jess, who kind of or something. Yeah, who kind very of, Polish last name. Who kind of has this awkward audition Singing moment? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's kind it's of this is really a music-filled episode. It, of course, yeah. Uh, and we don't really know what it's for the audition. I mean, obviously, she seems to be like auditioning for a, a kind of gig, but it doesn't seem like you ever really find out. Uh, and she's introduced to Ghost by Benny. By Benny. Ghost agent, ghost agent who if there is a villain in the movie oh it's definitely an antagonist i don't want to call him a villain because he's sympathetic in a way uh is the antagonist totally and he's actually really he's i don't know i forget i don't know who the actor is but he's, he's phenomenal he's phenomenal he's great in this, in this movie he's probably yeah. the best one yeah i would say um, better than bobby darren who plays ghost but we can talk about that later yeah and he then meets jess and then she becomes kind of the yoko ono of the band of, yeah the so band. they sort of they spend the night together and there's actually this really sexy scene where she like goes they go back to her place and she like sort of like has her head like against her chest yes. bosom and like it's very beautifully lit and she backs away from him and so they very quick he very quickly falls in love with her and the next day we see them playing and she's at the she's not singing with them but she's at the the park the park and then they play baseball and then there's the greatest impromptu baseball greatest, scene which apparently was added since uh the first twilight where the vampires stop everything and play baseball for those who have not skip, seen that movie skip that one skip that. that's going to be the next we're doing the <laughs> that's a class. we're actually going to do a twilight podcast twilight cl- twicast it's a classic baseball scene is there already a podcast called twicast there's got to be there's got to be one uh podlight I gotta go. I think, twi- um, I think Twicast is better. So, so they fall in love and uh, it's already copyrighted. And, and all these things are happening and it's great. The band seems fine with her. There's no, there's no Yoko Ono there. That doesn't seem to be the problem. But they go to a recording session. Correct. Um, that Benny has arranged. Benny being um, Ghost's the agent. agent. And we should note that because we didn't, Benny and GS are never at any point in the film an item before she meets Ghost. But... Benny's into her. And when he sees Jess with Benny, his relationship... When, when Sorry. When Benny, sees when Benny sees Jess with Ghost, Benny's feelings... The primary conflict seems to be between Benny and Ghost for Jess's affection. And it's clear that Ghost has her affection. Correct. Um, which leads to problems with recording, which leads to... But a, but a love triangle basically emerges between... Benny, Jess, and Ghost. Yeah, but it's more. I mean, I, it 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 is. But she like clearly is only into Ghost. Yeah, it's sort of a love triangle for Benny. For yeah, for Benny. Um. So then there's this recording sesh. It's going. Well, it's not going well actually because the the head of the recording studio is there and he's like, "This shit sucks." 
It's like nobody's going to buy these records. Um, interesting connection. The, there's a there's a t- there's a recording technician there who just keeps going. It's a lousy room. It's a yeah. lousy room. And he appears and a child is waiting. Ah, I did not notice as that. As the as one of the skeptical visitors from the sort of New York State ah. Board of Health or whoever that happens. I thought you were going to say he was the titular child. He was. <laughs> and a child is waiting. He no, was. that's that's Ruben. Although the, I mean, not the actor's the actor's name is not Ruben, but but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so then they have this recording session. It's not going well, and then Jess starts singing with them, and these guys like, now there's a hit. If I know, if I yeah, never they, heard they, one. they hear Jess's voice, and they become very excited about it, um, which sets Benny off a little bit. It does, but they record, and it goes well. Right, and they go to celebrate. They get a deal. They get a deal. That's right. So they go to Nick Nick's. Of to course, Nick Babalinas. Hello, of I'm course. Nick Babalinas. Nick is back. To Nick's back. <laughs> too late blues. Too Nick's back. Nick's back. So they go to Nick and they start to celebrate. They do. Which sets off an incredibly long scene. Yes. Which I think is a bit of a Cassavetti's hallmark. It's, a, it's actually probably the where, best scene because it's a slow scene, boil. And it's a bit of a greatest hits of John Cassavetti's. I think this is where you see... Like, oh, this is a John. This is a John Cassavetes movie. I mean, we spent the whole movie dealing with these dudes who like to carouse and have a good time. And I took a note where I said, uh, drinking in a John Cassavetes movie is like is unlike drinking in any other movie uh, because it's sort of like husbands, which we'll get to. But no one ever drinks in regular movies like they drink in yeah. John Cassavetes movies. Like, I feel like if you do a drinking scene in a John Cassavetes movie, you gain forty pounds. <laughs> Because they're just pounding beers. They drink so fast in this movie, it's, and they're drinking wine. Yeah, Regina. Which is a which one? Uh, Redzina, which is a type of like Greek wine. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. think I caught that. That's what Nick I think mentions a couple of times. So they're drinking, they're partying, and then they're the, like these two like uh, like dudes or goons who are playing pool and they're watching. Well, the they're band. not really goons. So yeah, they are. They're okay. They're no, not, they're, they're, they're goons. <laughs> but one of them sort of like so Benny arrives mm-hmm. to tell them the good news about the record deal, and they're celebrating, and they're celebrating having a band. But Benny is turned off by the fact that Jess is dancing with Correct. all the guys, all the guys in the, in the band, and and the band, and so he sort of goes off into the corner to sulk. And then these guys playing pool, and then these two bro bros yeah. playing pool. Like, what are you sulking about, man? And he's like, "Oh, that party over there!" Yeah. Like, uh, this is the guys, blah, blah, blah. and one of the guys is like, "Oh, they're not so bad. They gave us free wine, free wine." But then something happens. I actually wrote down fight makes no sense. <laughs> well, again, it's like this slow. Bo- well, no, because the one guy then says like, oh, what's the deal with that girl? Is she with somebody? Yeah. And I think like Benny says something like, like she's with too many. Yeah. People. She, yeah. Something like that. It's kind of like slut shaming kind of thing. Can we which pause is and talk about Jess for a minute? Happening. Yeah. Because I feel like. She's not really a character. If Johnny. So if Johnny Staccato, which granted he did not write or direct, mm-hmm. but features women who are accessories to men there's certainly a lot of that in uh too late blues but there are moments where she really is her own character Mm -hmm. she has moments of clarity about who she is to these guys and like sort of her role which she does not accept but she sort of like resignedly accepts in the movie like she's she is more complicated than i think that a movie necessarily would have made her she is a character for like 10 of the movies 100 minutes yes but she's also like only there to kind of really be a foil to him she's a bit of a plot yeah. device wait but spe- sorry by the way speaking of accessories or like Cassavetes treating women as accessories did you see that moment in Johnny Staccato where it cuts the Templars apartment yeah that's yeah, and, and the there's woman's a woman like just dancing <laughs> she's just dancing <laughs> it's absurd and like that's you know uh, there's a little bit of that in Too Late Blues but I do again a big distinction even even if he even between a Cassavetes project and and probably something he was working on is that like, well, a women talk, which they barely do in Johnny Staccato, mm. but two, like she has a little bit of agency and she has a lot of agency in the fights. Well, well, but again, she, it also kind of, she just turns into this like fallen, literally like this fallen horror. Yeah. And yeah. And Benny has, to, uh, Benny, uh, ghost has to save her from. So we're, so, so, so we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, th- this is kind of the, probably the moment in the film where everything shifts because right. this, one of these goons gets drunk. 
Tommy, I believe his name Tommy, is Tommy. Tommy Sheenan. Him and... Tommy Sheehan. Him and uh, Nick have a drinking contest. Where they're pounding pint glasses of wine. Right. And they uh, hurl ethnic slurs on one another because it wouldn't be a movie made in the late 50s, yeah. early 60s. And it's kind of, again, there. it's an interesting kind of toxic moment. Totally. And then it slowly devolves into this... Long fight. Fight, fight where Tommy tries to uh, dance with Jess... And the guys like attack her, attack him. Sorry, the guys attack him to kind of like protect her. And well, because isn't he's he's him and his friends. He's, yeah, he's he's dangerous. This guy. Yeah. And at a certain point, he pushes. Uh, he he punches or pushes Ghost and Ghost falls to the ground and, and does not get back up. Correct. He, and like right at her feet. And yeah. this is like a huge, like, oh my God, this is a moment of shame for Ghost because he's been emasculated. Yeah, very but this is also, by the way, This is also, by the way, the, the point in the film where I thought like, oh my God, I don't like Bobby Darren in this because he felt, I felt so stiff. There's, there's, there, the character at this moment should be going through all of these really like intense emotions and should be, mm. I don't know. And I just felt like he couldn't, he just, just couldn't pull it off. For, he for was me. fine for me, but I see what you're saying. He I don't just, think you're wrong. Yeah. And I just, I was like, Oh man, like he's not doing it for me. So then he's emasculated. Um, he feels kind of ashamed. It's right. not even so much a just rejection well, because she tries to take care of him and he's like, no, get away from it's me. It's also a nice moment. You know, we talked about how in the last episode, there's never a moment in the movie where anyone says to, who's the guy in Ro- uh, Shadows who's dating Lelia? What's his name? Uh, Tony? Tony. No one ever says like, you're a racist, Tony. Oh, yeah, yeah, And, yeah. A, and like, it's a well, it's well developed. And the same thing in Too Late Blues. There's no moment where Bobby Darren playing ghost talks about his humiliation it just kind of happens and and to casavetti's credit he lets that moment play mm-hmm. right and it works it, because you get on the wavelength with it it's like a nice visual moment um in a time when i feel like movies are very like let me just talk about how i feel correct yeah it's, it's uh it's not too heavy-handed by the way there's also a great line in this bar scene where i think one of the the the, the, the hooligans asks benny like oh aren't you one of them and he says no i work for a living about a Oh, that's right. That's right. Anyway, Who says that? Benny says it. That's right. Yeah, Benny. Well, so Benny's also a failed musician. Benny's also a failed musician. Oh, I forgot. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, he talks about the good old days. Yeah. But now he wants to make a living. So there's a lot of failed artists in the Cassavetes canon, at least in the early films. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Husband, but do we get a, forget. any of that? I feel like they're like, yeah, it's unclear. There's a little more, there's a little less like of that kind of posited in the later films. Anyway, we, we'll, we'll find out because I don't remember. So they break up. She then sleeps, Justin sleeps with one of the other guys in the band. Yeah, she sleeps with the saxophonist. saxophonist. The guy whose saxophone gets stolen the in the first The saxophone guy is always the saxophonist like in the Chuck? band. No, I'm making that up. Dave, David? Peter. Peter. David. They're all named after apostles. <laughs> it's a Jesus story. It's a very biblical. Gian Cassavetes. John J.C. Jesus Christ. We're not, not the only ones that make that connection. Um, Are we not? I, I'm, I don't know. Get at me, Richard Brody. <laughs> There is another John Cassavetes uh, podcast, I think, called <laughs> JC Talking Vettis. Is, is our savior. Why didn't we name our Talking Vettis? Talking Vettis. Because then once we get to uh, Zack Snyder's. Next. Yes, uh, Uva, Michael Bay. Yeah. It was either going to be Bergman or, or, or Zack Snyder. Bay Talk. And we're like, well, ooh. Bay Talk. Bay Talk. Um, I feel like TM, TM, TM. Um, I feel like, yeah, well, yeah, it would be hard to name the show Cassavet- uh, Talk Vettis if we're talking about Zack Snyder. We'd have to change it to like, to like, Zach Zine. Zach Zine. Or some stupid pun on 300. Um, anyway. Talk Men. Talk Men? No. Mm. Watch. Uh, Dawn of the Podcast. <laughs> we call it Watch Men. Oh. <laughs> no, I think that's taken already. That was so funny. So then they break up. Uh, because, Ghost and Jess. Ghost kind of like because he's humiliated. Her. He pushes her. He slaps her hands. She sleeps. With the saxophone player, which is when this thing becomes full on cliche. Totally. Mode. She sleeps with this guy 15 minutes <laughs> after she says that she's. And, and there's this scene where he goes to. He brings her home and he's like, Aren't you Ghost's girl? And I wrote this line down I'm not anybody's girl. <laughs> Which, um, you know, we also forgot about the fact that Tommy's like totally outraged that these artists might be doing drugs. Remember that? Because he keeps on saying like, oh, you guys just have like needles. Oh, like, that's oh, right. That's right. You're just yeah. drinking. They get very insulted by the fact that the the goon that, that gets into the fight with them like talks about their drug habits. Right. Which we don't. They seem pretty clean cut. They, they seem, seem to like good. to drink and carouse, but we never see them like shooting smack. I was disappointed, though, uh, although it's not totally surprising also for a studio film that all, of course, like the jazz musicians in this film are white as well. Everyone. Yeah, it's a little, it's weird. It's very, yeah, it's very white. It's a very white movie. 
Um, especially after Shadows. Right, which is why I was kind of like surprised about, about it. Yeah, there's no... Uh, but then again, it's 1950s studio film, as you said. So Jess sleeps with a saxophone player, and Ghost shows up drunkenly at her apartment. And though he does not ever see the saxophone player, she's like, I'm with somebody. There's somebody in here, and, yeah. and throws him out. And the next day, they go to the... They go to the recording studio... The band goes. The band but goes. Ghost, Ghost is not doesn't there. Show Ghost up. is late, and Jess isn't there either. No, there's another. Uh, there's some singer. other like contract singer, sort of Correct. like a ringer. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, let's record with her." Right, uh, and, and Ghost shows up, and he's like, "We're not doing this. We're not doing it." And that's when he loses his shit and starts yelling at his band members. Gets and he's into like, a fight with you guys. His band have like members. no talent. You guys are hacks. You guys are no talent ass clowns. Yeah. That's actually interestingly the origin of the expression uh, <laughs> "no talent ass clowns" is from Too Late Blues. Yeah, which was the original title. No talent, ass no, clowns. no talent, ass clowns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is actually no country the for ass clowns. Original name of our podcast: No talent, ass clowns. I thought it was gonna be no country for ass clowns. No ass clown country. Um, you, we didn't mention one of the members of John Cass of, uh, of oh, sorry, one of the members of Ghost's band is Seymour Cassell, making his debut oh. as a John Cassavetes player, and the, would show up in many, many more John. He Cassavetes was movies. not the. Uh, He's the bass player. Bass player, right? So we'll see him again in uh, several other John Cassavetes pictures. So then Ghost, yeah, breaks up the band because, uh, again, he's the principal songwriter. And then he, Benny gets, uh, Benny's kind of like, you're a mess and I don't like you anymore, but I'm going to get you a gig boning a countess. <laughs> so, uh, let's, let me rephrase that. I'm going to get you a... Benny, not far from the truth. Yeah, I'm going to get you a gig boning a countess and playing in a jazz club for really good money. And then it cuts forward like in a year? A in year. Time. I believe a year, exactly. And he's yeah. doing exactly. He's boning a, uh, a countess played uh, by Marilyn Clark, who course. later shows up and as a child is waiting yes. as a secretary. And this is also, you, you, it's funny because you're watching this Cassavetes film and you're like, oh, great. Yes, okay, The there is kind of a misogyny all over this film. Yeah. But there hasn't been any violence against women so far until... Until the last 15 or 20 minutes Ghost of this movie because this woman. we see Ghost playing jazz in a club. No one really cares. About he's his just playing. Doing he's doing it for the money. He goes off stage. It took Much me like, a few minutes to realize that this indeed was the Countess. I was kind of like, who's this lady? Oh. I didn't really realize it was... She's funding him, essentially. She's paying paying for yeah, she's sex the, and music. The patron. Mm-hmm. She's a patron. She's a, a little bit older than him. They get into a bit of a fight, and sh- he slaps her. He slaps her, yeah. In the face. I forgot, he also says something fucked up. I forgot exactly what it is. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't have brought it up since I forgot what it is. It is. But he says something awful to her, and then he smacks her, and then Benny shows up with uh, new talent or some or something. And he's yeah, like, there's new talent, and I also want to pause here because I haven't been looking at my notes too much. But I wrote down no idea if he's good or not. Is that about Benny? And I think that that's what that is about. Is we there's no I am never convinced anywhere in this movie that Bobby Darren knows anything about jazz piano. Like, it's one of those movies where they're like, everyone's like, he's a genius. You mean he's ghost? He's a visionary. Or... Ghost, ghost. Not Bobby Darren, of uh-huh. course. But there's no point where I'm... Maybe it's... I'm not... I was not alive in 1957 when this movie came out. You were uh, well, 1960, whenever it was. But I'm... I'm not... I'm never... I'm never, like, sold on... Ghost as a character. Ghost as a character. And it's interesting to watch that through this way we watch things now because, like... For years and years and years, it's always been like the white guy is good at everything. But there's no point in this movie where I really believe that I'm seeing this like actually talented. Well, I th- but I would say that that's guy. a failure of him as an actor. Probably. It's also a failure of a screenplay. There's no scene Correct. where we really see him like noodling and we're like, yeah. Or like conducting the band and kind of right, saying, right, you right. do this, yeah. I'll do that. Um, so he's just kind of a sad uh, gigolo at that, po- at at the, that the, point the, the in the, the film. film. Um and Benny shows up with some new talent, and uh, I think Ghost lose, loses his gig, right? He loses the gig? Does he lose? I don't remember if he loses the gig. He does, certainly loses his shit. He gets upset. He leaves, and then, now I'm, I'm trying to remember so how leaves, it is that he goes back and he, and he goes finds to, Jess. I believe he oh, goes, he goes, he back goes to the bar. To, he goes to Nick's. No, not Nick. Oh, yeah, yes, so he, he does go to, to Nick's. He, he goes yes. to Nick's and Correct. orders a drink and, he has and has a approximately a sip of it. Right. And Nick tells him that they, that his band has become a session band at a club somewhere else. So he goes to that club and sees them playing. And for a minute, I was like, oh, this movie is a bromance. Like, he's going to reconcile with the band before he reconciles with uh, with, uh, with with Jess. But he... 
But what ends up happening is he has a conversation with the saxophone player who has had sex with Jess. And this is where the movie's like sexism really shines because... Uh, Turns it up a notch. To, yeah, where, because uh, Bobby Darren is like, where's Jess? Uh, did you marry her? And the saxophone player's like, nah, man, she's crazy, man. She's crazy. Well, did he also say something about like, sud- settling down? He's like, yeah, oh, I'm a musician. I ain't I'm never musician. Yeah, I'm not going to settle down, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it's just like... It's basically a scene that's like, listen, dude, bitch be crazy. I don't see her anymore. But he does tell her that she's at Reno's, which is a bar from earlier in the film. From earlier in the film with an insane bartender <laughs> named Reno. Reno. And uh just screaming for Jess is a bit of a polite society lady and, and I think and, and Bobby Darren ghost takes her to this bar Reno's, which is kinda like divey. It's kinda like you know, beer and paper cups kind of spot. Well, the reason Reno loses a shit earlier in the film is because some woman says, a woman in the bar says to her date, I never come here. Yeah, I never come here. Very insecure <laughs> dive bar owner. <laughs> and he just like loses, he loses it. Loses his mind. Starts yelling at this yeah. woman. But this is He's where like, Jess hangs out. All the time. This is apparently where Jess hangs out. So, uh, so Ghost goes to this bar and not only is Jess there, but she's she's clearly a prostitute. She's at this prostituting point. herself, and in this particular scene, she's being sort of like convinced to have another drink by these two older gentlemen, and Correct. the camera is like all up in their face, and there's some high key lighting, and it's very creepy. They're a little predatory. And this is also where Cassavetes' unique take on masculinity comes through because it's in Ghost beating the shit out of these men, or at least fighting these men. Yeah, so Ghost he's able attacks to these guys. Himself. Yeah. And the camera suddenly is handheld for maybe the first time in the movie and slightly out of focus. Yeah. And it's um, a really jarring cut. It's very jarring. It, it doesn't, I guess it does what it sets out to do, I but it's very smooth. I it's not very smooth. We, we spoke about it over text. It doesn't kind of work. I don't think it works very well. Yeah. But I also think that. Don't like, you get it, dude? You're in his mind. It's subjective. Yes. Richard Brody on, on the New Yorker website points it out as a subjective camera move, which I see what he's saying. So he beats the crap out of these guys. They leave the bar. Also, this is a guy that manages to beat the crap out of two guys pretty swiftly, but earlier, like, falls at Jess's feet because he won't fight. And it's just all types. It's, of, it's all types of weird. Um, and they end up. They sort of. You sort of think they reconcile, right? And then she For a runs minute. off into the bathroom and attempts to kill herself to kill rather than leave with him. Correct. And, and he rushes in and he kind of saves her at the last yeah, minute. Yeah, she gets her to, to drop the glass that's in her hand. And there's the a mirror. shot in the sink uh, of her. It's very, very sort of like more cinematic tricks than we've than we've had in the movie. Um, and then he drags her back to the other bar where the rest of the band is playing. Yeah, where they're doing a set. And they, the, the other band members after talking. Get out of here, ghost. ghost. To, Nobody yeah. wants you here. But then she starts singing this like melody, and they start playing. Exactly and he conducts a little. He does like a quick little. Oh, there like, you go. There's his. There's the genius. Yeah, there's like it's kind of like he's like okay, okay. Like I can't really see the gesture doing, but it sort of seems to be like a easy on the the trumpet. Leonard or Bernstein whatever. over here. Yeah, and then it's <laughs> my day job. And then, <laughs> I'm Leonard Bernstein, the, the maestro, and then Liam, the maestro, and then it, and then the band starts playing the song that they're playing earlier in that first studio sesh. That's what musicians call them. They call them seshes. Nice. No, they don't. And then they might. They might. Bad musicians. Who knows? Bad <laughs> musicians in a John Cassavetes movie. <laughs> musicians don't know what the fuck they're doing. And then no talent ass clowns. And no talent ass clowns. And I'm sorry. I had to say you it. Had I to said say it. it. I said it. Yeah. I said it. I'm not going to apologize. No, you're, you're here to. I'm just, not going to apologize. You're here to uh, hurt feelings, or, or to, uh, yeah. I'm not here to make friends. Fuck no. Uber busters. You're here to podcast. I'm here to podcast and. Whatever else. So it ends with this sort of nostalgic moment where the band is back together for a second. And there's an interesting moment. They all kind of like there's some looks exchanged, some glances. And he's sort of like. But then it just ends. Um, Except. Except. There is a reference to the title. Oh, that's right. Because. The the drummer is basically like, you're too late. You're too late. You're too late. Blues. And then he says, no, that's not his name. It's Ghost. Oh, yeah. You're too late, Ghost. (laughs) It's weird that he didn't know his name for the whole movie. Well, he hasn't seen seen it for a year. But so it seems to be that the title of the film is referenced in this final moment. Like, Ghost, it's too little, too late. The band's never going to get back together. kind of reconciled. They kind of do, but there's there, to the movie's credit, there's a little bit of ambiguity Correct. in this final, final moment. There's also, I mean, obviously we'll get to it, but there's also 
ambiguity at the very end of a child's wedding as well. Um, I mean, maybe not total ambiguity. Before we but move on to ACIW, AC- which is what I, which is what <laughs> I like. It's part of the uh, JC. Uh, EU, which is the John Cassavetes uh, Extended was, Universe. I was hoping you'd say the JCVD universe. But <laughs> it's another amazing, famous JC. John Cassavetes Video Diary. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ooh, very, what? Very, Thank very you. Clever. Very, very fast. Um, By the way, we forgot to mention that the fucking subway system in Johnny Staccato is called the IRT. It is called the IRT. <laughs> like, I decided to invest in the IRT. And yeah. It cuts to him on the subway. The funny thing about that, that subway car is it's probably the same one that's still running. <laughs> Well, it's also really hashtag not Cuomo twenty twenty. Yes. Yeah, this podcast just got political. Uh, that damn what are you going to do about it? Yeah, Andrew. Andrew, come at me, come, bro. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Cynthia Nixon. What? Uh, what? What? Well, unfortunately, she didn't win. Anyway, Wait, what? Uh, Was there an election? We're recording this after the election. Uh, the primary. Everything is terrible. Yeah, well, that, that scene filled me with rage too, because like, what's the best way to get to Midtown? You just jump, jump on the IRT. I was like, no, it's not. No, no that's it's not. not. Just right. fucking walk. Yeah, at this point, just walk. Just walk, dude. You know Johnny, what, you, what are you doing? Yeah, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Johnny was like, after three or four delays and transferring two or three times, it was too late. They had got to, they got it to the musician. It turned out that the F train was running on a local track, even though it was a Tuesday at nine a.m. The sign kept blinking fifteen minutes, but it never came. <laughs> So I was murdered because I couldn't get Shit. away from my head. It was a 15 minute episode. Oh my God. It turns into like a Tom Stoppard play where Johnny Staccato is just sitting on the platform just waiting for this F train to come. So let me ask ride. you. Please do. If you're a, I've already derailed I think I think this it, podcast. Oh. oh. I'm going to drop the mic and walk away. George. George. George, mic, George, so George, George, is, George is in the bedroom with Marty. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in there. Uh, what? He's, Marty's fine. Hello. He's just—he's a little sad. Why eyebrows? Uh, no, because we uh made fun of him. Uh, was I the only one that got a cease and desist letter from the Martin Scorsese? Um, foundation I don't estate. Think, I don't think he man, said never to mention him on this podcast again. John uh, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. So you wanted to ask me a question? So um, if I'm in a really bad pain. I uh, guess my question would be: if you're a, if you're if you're is this is this a is this a movie you would recommend people see? Ah, uh, more so than the the next one. Sure. Stop talking about. Sorry. Just focus on the movie. So are we still talking so about Johnny Sakata? Let's say no. Let's <laughs> say let's say I I'm I'm sort of exploring the works of uh, John Cassavetes. Would you say I have to see? Is this an essential part of the Jean, John Cassavetes oeuvre? I don't want to answer that, not just because uh, I want to cop out of... Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are we We're doing here? <laughs> we have fans, okay. George. Yeah, they George, want, George, they want, people are... They want to hear what we have to say. People are clamoring. About this 50-year-old film. No, the... Um, yeah. Watch it. I think it's worth watching. It's worth I watching. think there's a lot to it that's good. Or you could just watch three or four episodes of John Staccato. More than that, because those are only about 20 minutes each. uh, They won't be able to see it, but can I show you my Johnny Staccato tattoo? Yeah, let me see it. Oh my, you got it on your balls? Uh, Where else am I going to get it? Oh, humor. Um, So that's Too Late Blues. Uh, You should watch it. You should watch it. And then the film ends there, and again, it's this kind of uh, scene of reconciliation. But again, it kind of... There's a lot of space. Just just as used as as like a foil to Ghost's genius uh, and for like the band to come back together. That's why earlier I was like, oh... She's like their Yoko Ono because she's that's true. She's kind of indirectly blamed for them breaking up. Or at least I think that's what you're supposed to get from watching the film. I don't think you're supposed to. I don't know. What were you watching the film? Did you think, oh, Ghost is just a piece of shit? Like he's the, I he's did the one actually to blame? write down, I hate Ghost. That's my third to last note. Well, he's not a very sympathetic character. No, he's not sympathetic. The most sympathetic character is probably Jess. And I think the movie knows that. Correct. But it still doesn't make her a fully it doesn't, realized. Yeah. It's a little like victim. She's a little bit of a victim. Well, and also, can she again at the very end? She becomes this kind of hysterical woman um, that again has to be saved by both Ghost and the band. That's true. So, still worth watching within the context of uh, it's a it's an enjoyable, probably underseen movie. There are better movies from the era, though. So. <laughs> True. There are better <laughs> movies, raves Liam Billingham. A lot of people that love that show are very like, uh, oh, the Ozymandias episode, brah. <laughs> <laughs>